Thank you guys so much, Janet, Patty, all that helped in the choir. Thank you so much. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. I want to kind of, uh, in the event that you were not able to be here last Sunday, I want you to know where we're at where we're headed, okay? The sermon title is God's Maximum Blessings, Our Minimum Stewardship. And then as you can read in parenthesis, giving God just enough to get by. You know, so often when we think about stewardship, we simply think about, about money and about tithing and giving to the church. Um, and, and we don't, first of all, recognize God's always giving to us. I mean, there is not a moment that God in not some way or shape or form is giving, blessing us. And you and I live in a society, I feel, of underachievers. Now, and I'm not just trying to talk about Bart Simpson, okay? But so often, and I shared this with you last Sunday, that throughout my life, I've been a type of person that just tried to give as little as I could to get by. I was a C student, proud to be that. D sometimes, thank God, no Fs, because Mama would have killed me. And uh, I shared that with you last week. But folks, when it comes to serving the Lord, uh, we respond to him because he has blessed us so much. And then we've got to be real, real careful that we do not give God just enough to get by. So that's where we're at. Now let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Father, we cannot thank you enough for all your blessings upon us. Day to day, you are faithful, Father. And Lord, I just pray that as we study what the scripture says about being good stewards, that we too will be found faithful to you. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, help us to see that, that stewardship is not simply about giving tithes and offerings, but stewardship is about giving our all to you as you gave your all, even your son, as we celebrate in the coming weeks. Father, thank you for everybody that's here, and I just pray, Lord, that you'll speak, and each person will be blessed because they've been in your house this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text has come from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, and let me read that verse again, okay? Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Last week, I shared with you part of the inspiration for these sermons. Uh, you remember I said, have you ever read a Bible verse or devotional that hits you like a ton of bricks? Well, Tuesday was a week ago as I was preparing to do my <laughs> personal devotions and I was frustrated because I'd missed the day before and I felt a little bit behind. This is what part of the devotional was that I read out of the one-year devotional prayer book. And this is a statement written by Billy Goodwin, who is a member of the contemporary Christian music group, New Song. Listen to this. And again, it's on the screen. This comes out of the devotional. When God does something on our behalf, he doesn't just do the minimum required. He goes exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can imagine. I've heard it said that just one sacrificial drop of Jesus' blood would have been enough to pay the full price for every sin ever committed. Folks, last week, and I'm just about finished with last week, but last week I shared with you this thought as I was reading that devotional that God doesn't just do the minimum required. He goes exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can imagine. 
And as I read those words, those words just jumped off the page at me. I rejoiced as I thought about God's maximum blessings upon me, but I wanted to cry as I thought about my minimum stewardship, giving only to God just enough to make me feel good about myself and feel that God should be pleased with me. Folks, last week we talked about examples of God's maximum blessings upon us. This morning I want us to begin looking at should we not respond to God's maximum blessings by our maximum stewardship. Folks, I want to take some time to explain some of these terms. Now this is my own definition of stewardship I want to point something out. Stewardship is biblical in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus himself talked about stewardship. And out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul says that the church of Jesus Christ should become a steward of the gospel, as did those early church leaders. But here is the definition of a steward by Warren Wiersbe. And let me read this. It will be on the screen. Okay. And just listen. A steward is someone who manages another's wealth. He does not own the wealth himself, but he has the privilege of enjoying it and using it for the profit of the master. The most important thing about a steward is that he serve his master faithfully. The steward must remember that the riches he manages belongs to his master, not him personally, and that they must be used in a way that will please and profit the master. The Brahman Bible commentary says this, Whatever we own has been entrusted to us by the God who created it and to whom we are responsible for its use. The Full Life Bible Study says we as earthly believers are to use our earthly possessions for the work of God's kingdom. So with that said, let's look at a couple of implications of what we're talking about. First of all, God is a God of blessings. And God will bless you and I in many ways. And those blessings come not simply in the form of money and wealth and material possessions. But these blessings that are given to us every day are given to us to use for God's kingdom, for God's honor, and for God's glory. You and I are not to be building a kingdom for ourselves, but helping build God's kingdom. Now, he doesn't need us to do that. He can do that on his own. But God chooses us to be a people that are at work in building his kingdom. And folks, you and I need to understand that as people that are blessed so greatly by God, we will be held accountable to God for the wise use of the blessings that he gives us, whether great or small. And I want to stop for just a moment because many of us might say, well, I don't have that many blessings. I don't have that much that God can use. But yes, my dear brother and sister in Christ, we do. Every single one of us has been gifted in some way by God. And again, we're not just talking about money or wealth or material possessions. Many of us are given talents and gifts that God wants to use in his kingdom. And so let me remind you again of God's expectation of us. Let me again remind you of the text where we begin. 
Moreover, it is required in stewards, and every one of us is a steward, that a man be found faithful. In Luke chapter 16, verse 2, that will be on the screen. We've been studying this passage of Scripture on on Wednesday nights as, as Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who were lovers of money. And listen, he tells the story of a, of, a, of, a, of a steward who did not do his job good. Listen to this. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Folks, listen. One day, every one of us will give an account of our stewardship to God. Now, that's what the Word says in Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Look at this verse. Romans 14, 12. So each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Folks, earlier in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the story of a master who called in the steward and said, You're fired. You're fired because you have been misusing your stewardship for your gain and not for the work of my kingdom and my work. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 48 Everyone to whom much is given of him will much be required. Now, folks, I want you to know something. I am not trying to send you on a guilt trip and say, well, uh, God's given me all these things and I haven't used them. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to get us to understand that just as God has blessed us, he has called us to be a steward of what he has given unto us. And God wants us to be accountable, not at the last day. But as we live this life every day, God wants us to be accountable for using what he has given us for his kingdoms. And folks, listen. Another implication of this is that God's blessings upon us, our stewardship would cause us to be heavenly minded, not simply minded. And and again, folks, listen to the word of God, not to me. How often are we heavenly minded? How often are we contemplating what God wants to do in me? And folks, we need to ask ourselves this question. What has God given me to use for his kingdom? And and I hope I don't come across as being sarcastic. I do not mean it that way. You know, sometimes we are tempted to believe if we bring our money to the church and put it in the plate and we take it up and bring it to the front, then we've done our job. Folks, God has given us far more than money. Amen? Amen. God has given us all these different talents to be used in his kingdoms. And folks, listen. Again, the concept of stewardship is not just money. It is the totality of everything that is God God given in us. Well, folks, how can you and I become faithful stewards? Well, I believe there are are at least two very important steps in being a faithful steward. First of all, we must believe and commit ourselves to the fact that God has a plan for our lives. Now, that's a simple statement, but it is a very profound statement. We must believe and commit ourselves to the fact that God has a plan for our life individually. God's got a plan for your family. God's got a plan for this church. And God's got a plan for our nation. Did you know that? Folks, in my own Bible reading, in my personal devotions, I've been reading uh, the prophets. And God was really disappointed at how he had blessed the nation Israel, and Israel had sinned and turned against him. And they were going to give an account, and they did give an account 
of the fact that they had rejected God's plan for their lives. And folks, let me tell you one of the dangers if you and I reject the plan that God has for our life. We wander throughout life aimlessly, drifting from one point to another. And folks, does that not describe many of us as Christians? That we're just getting by. We're just getting through. And we don't have much joy in our walk with God because we don't know His plan and we're not committed to it. And again, please hear me not from a critical or sarcastic heart, folks. God has a purpose and plan for our life. And that plan being realized is one way that we show stewardship back to God. And folks, you know this without me telling you, but there are examples. The Bible is full of examples of God having plans for people's and families' lives. And let me just give you one example, and I'm, I'm just going to give you the scripture for this. But look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3 again. We always make a lot of mention of Abraham. Folks, Abraham lived thousands of years ago, but his name is going to be mentioned in the house of God in the Jewish nation over and over again because of the impact that he had because he gave himself as a steward to God. But listen to what God said to him in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now listen to what God says. Verse 2. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. Now before we read the rest of it. I will make you a great nation and will bless you. God promises I'm going to pour my maximum blessings out on you, Abraham. But listen to this. All right. And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you, I will curse. And look at the last sentence, or last part of of verse 3. And by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. God was going to bless Abraham and his family as they were in obedience to him. And in turn, Abraham would become a blessing to the rest of the world. Now, you and I know that 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 statement means so much. When Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus, who does he go back to? He says that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. Abraham's obedience to God was part of God's plan to bring his Savior to this planet. And folks, part of Abraham's stewardship was to be obedient to God, was to leave his kindred and his land, to go to the promised land, to begin a nation that would become the nation of Israel. But Abraham believed and committed himself to the fact that God had a plan for his life. Let me just give you a couple more examples. Moses. Moses believed and committed himself to the fact God had a plan for his life. King David, the prophets. The prophets absolutely amazed me. They lived in a time in which if you were a prophet, a true prophet of God, you were going to get killed or they wanted to try and kill you. They hated the prophets who stood for God. And the prophets would rebel against God and say, listen, I don't want to do this. Jeremiah said to God, listen... I'm just a young boy. God said, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. I appointed you to be a prophet. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. God not only cleansed his lips and his heart, but gave him the message. John the Baptist, the 12 disciples, Paul, the early church. Folks, listen. God 
has a plan for our lives. And as we yield in obedience to that plan, we are being good stewards. And I hope some of you are sitting back there saying, well, look, he's mentioned Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets, John the Baptist, the 12 disciples, Paul, the early church. But he's not talking about me. (laughs) You know, in sports, they call them no-name players. You know what I'm talking about? They're the folks, they're the players that don't get much press and they get a low salary. But let me tell you something. Not everybody that God uses is a big-name player. In God's kingdom work, God does not have any no-name players. And let me tell you something. You might be sitting in the pew at this church or wherever you go to church, and you might be saying, look, God can't use me. Let me tell you something. It is God's plan to use you and me in the kingdom of God. And folks, there are a lot of people in the scripture, their name is never mentioned. How about the lad who had five barley loaves and two fish? What was his name? It's not mentioned. It wasn't important what his name was. What was important that he yielded the loaves and the fish to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, again, I wish wish all of us could understand that right now in our world, in churches, there are people, no-name people at church that God is using every single day. And they're the people that are behind the scenes serving the Lord and ministering to the church community. That is stewardship, my friend. It's not just putting the money in the plate. It is leaving this place and believing and committing ourselves to the fact that God's got a plan for our lives. Now, let me ask you something. Do you believe that? Are we committed to that? That God's got a plan. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. But God will let you loose in this society, this community and you can make a difference. And it's called stewardship. That is giving our life over to God. And folks, there's a second step in stewardship, becoming a steward. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Folks, this is one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture. And let me give you this background before I read this passage of Scripture, okay? The Apostle Paul, on his missionary journeys, he takes up an offering. And he's not doing that to support himself. Quite the contrary, as you know, Paul was a tent maker and Paul would continue to work with others. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers also like Paul. And so he was not out raising money for himself to support his ministry. But when people became believers in Jerusalem, they lost everything because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And during his missionary journeys, the churches... And other lands would take up money and give to Paul and his missionary workers, and they were going to take it back to Jerusalem, to the saints that were suffering there. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about a group in Macedonia. And listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. We want you to know, brethren, about the grace of God which has been shown in the churches of Macedonia. Let me me underscore something. You see that? The grace of God. Being a steward for God is an outworking of the inward grace of God at work in our heart. We want you to know, brethren, about the grace of God which has been shown in the churches of Macedonia 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of liberality on their part. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second. And I know, Mackenzie, I'm probably giving you a lot of trouble with, with his overhead stopping like that. But listen to what he says. Their abundance of joy. They were extremely poor people. But, folks, something was happening in their heart. They had the joy of Jesus Christ. And it said that their joy overflowed in a wealth of liberality. You know, if there's any way that I hope this church is liberal, it's not in theology, but it's in giving. Not just money, but giving of ourselves and our talents and gifts to God first and then to others. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. Verse 4, begging us. When's the last time that I begged anybody to let me do something in Jesus' name for them? When is the last time we begged somebody, oh, please, let me do this for you. Oh, please, let me share the love of Jesus Christ with you. Oh, please, let me tell you about how much Jesus loves you. Again, I'm not being sarcastic. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected. But folks, listen to this. But first, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Folks, the greatest step, I believe, in becoming a steward is what Paul says. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. We give ourselves first to the Lord, and then what do we do? And give ourselves to others by the will of God. They were poor, but rich in joy in God's grace. And they gave liberally of their own free will. And they begged Paul and others to allow them to give. But folks, here's the most important part. They first gave themselves to the Lord. Folks, that's where the beginning of stewardship is. We give ourselves to the Lord. We become stewards when we give ourselves to the Lord and, and to others by the will of God. Stewardship happens, and I'm going to recap, okay, not because I hope I'm making the point. Stewardship happens when we believe that God has a plan for our lives and we're committed to that plan. And, and folks, listen, here's a big step. We need to get beyond believing God has a plan for us and simply do it. It's so easy to sit there, well, you know, I, I agree with the preacher. I think God does have a plan for my life, but do we do it? Or are we going to leave this place today and go out and do God's plan for us? And secondly, we need to give ourselves to the Lord, become a blessing to others. And again, never forget that stewardship is an act of God's grace in us that results in us helping others in Jesus' name. And folks, I want to tell you one of the great sides of stewardship, it brings joy into our heart. You remember I read where those people at Macedonia had such great joy? But folks, let me remind you the words of Jesus in Acts 20, 35. Paul here is quoting Jesus. Listen to this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And folks, you know that right there is contrary to modern thinking and living. So often our question is, what's in it for me and how will it profit me? But Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, folks, that leads us to the five areas of stewardship that I want us to look at uh, today and next Sunday, okay? And these, look at these. Now, again, this is my list. I'm sure you can add more. And I hope some of these things are going to shock you on this list. Number one, Christian stewardship involves our bodies and our minds. It involves, number two, our finances and material possessions. It involves, three, our time. It involves, four, our talents and spiritual gifts. And number five, our witness of the gospel. Folks, I'm winding down. I'm running out of time. But I want us to look quickly at the stewardship of our bodies and our minds. And, you know, for years... I didn't even consider my body or my mind as weak and feeble as it is as a part of stewardship. But folks, stewardship of our bodies and minds mean that we manage our bodies and our minds for the glory of God. And let's break this down, our bodies. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. All right, look at these two verses on the screen. Do you not know that your body, your body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Now, folks, if you know that passage of Scripture, you know that the original context of this Scripture is sexual immorality. But think about it. Have we given our physical bodies to the Lord? (coughs) Warren Wiersbe writes this, God the Father created our bodies, God the Son redeemed them and made them part of His body, and God the Spirit indwells our bodies and makes them the very temple of God. How can we defile God's temple by using our bodies for immorality? Now, folks, in our society and culture, don't we cater to the desires of the body? Let's just take sexuality for an example. In the 60s and 70s, there was an expression, if it feels good, do it. It was called the sexual revolution. In our day, it seems, the thought is, it's my body, I can do with it as I please. But, folks, this is completely against the teaching of the Word of God. You know, it's amazing some of the scriptures that will come out when you begin to look in depth at things. Look at Romans 12, verse 1. You know this verse well. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, say these next four words with me, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then you begin to think about what Jesus did for you and I. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. And folks, now listen. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper. 
But listen to what he says. Jesus, as he gave the disciples the bread, he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Folks, listen. Jesus gave his body for you and me. Would we give our bodies for the kingdom of God? Now, now again, think about this for just a minute. Would we give our hands to reach out to others in Jesus' name? Would we give God our feet to move swiftly to help others? Would we give God our eyes to see the needs of others? Would we give God our ears so that we would listen to the heartache of the lost and those around us? Would we give God our mouths so that we could share the good news of Jesus Christ, speaking and singing his praises? And like the Macedonian Christians, would we give God our hearts dedicated completely and totally to Jesus? Folks, listen. This thing just really struck me. You and I can use our bodies as Christians for self-gratification and pleasure, or we can commit our physical bodies to the Lord. Think about that. Folks, listen. If we commit our bodies to the Lord, guess what we're going to begin to do? And I'm not saying I do all these, okay? We're going to begin to eat right. We're going to begin to rest right. We're going to maintain our body for the glory of God. And we'll be careful that we will not put anything into our body that would take away from the glory and image of Jesus Christ. Our bodies. It's an act of stewardship to surrender, even if you're bald-headed, to surrender your body over to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? How about our minds? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes, Have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, again, in the context of that passage, Paul is talking about what Jesus has done for us. But he's also talking about how the church people should relate to one another in humility and love. And if you follow up and read the next four verses, verses 6 through 9, after Paul says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, you know what he talks about? He talks about Jesus' humility, his servanthood, and his obedience. If we have the mind of Christ, we'll be humble, we'll be servants, and we'll be obedient to God. And folks, let's go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You remember we read chapter 12, verse 1, where we present our body to the Lord. But listen to this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul here is saying that Satan would want to control our minds as Christians. That Satan would want us to accept worldly standards of conduct and morality as Christians. And folks, if we're not careful, our minds can be filled with rebellion against God, with disbelief, with lust, with pride, with worldly pursuit. Or, 
our minds can be filled with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the power of God, and the purpose of God. Folks, listen. Christian stewardship would lead you and I to surrender our bodies and our minds for the glory of God. Isn't that remarkable? Folks, it's not just about money. It is about giving all of ourselves to Him. Now, I know that we're at different points and stages in our life. Some are young and energetic. Some are older and less energetic, I'll say. All right? In many ways, my body is beginning to fail me. That's why I have eyeglasses. That's why I go to the dentist. That's why I got a pacemaker. But folks... Would we give our body and mind to the Lord, whatever we got left of it? In essence, we're saying to God, God, I'm going to give you all. I'm not going to be satisfied just to get some money out of my wallet or out of my checkbook, but I want to give everything to you. And again, we're going to look at these other four areas, finances and material possessions, time. How much time do we give God? Our talents and gifts, and are we good stewards of the gospel? May God help us not to be minimum stewards and not give God just enough to get by. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you are a God who, who pours out your blessings on us. We can't look at the cross without seeing the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We can't think about thanksgiving without looking even at the very moment in our lives and things are difficult in many ways. But God, you're blessing us. As we approach the Christmas season, we think about Christ leaving his throne in heaven and come to us. We are so blessed. And Father, help us to let your Holy Spirit and your word examine our hearts and minds. And God, may we be found faithful stewards. May we not give you the minimal or just enough to get by. But Lord, may we give our all to you. Bless us, Lord. Use us for your kingdom's work. In Jesus' name.